Hi, welcome to Ask a Pastor. Today I'm joined by Emily Roberts. Emily has been a longtime part of Orchard Hill, really having grown up here. Now leads our kids ministry, Kidsburg, uh, works extensively with Kids Fest, just does a great job. And Ask a Pastor is a time where I just invite different members of our staff here at Orchard Hill or uh, other uh, friends, pastors I might know in the community to come and address some questions that you might have that you might say, I've always been curious about this. I'd love to hear some thoughts on this. And I just want to say thank you. So many of have sent questions, and we hope to get to those as quickly as we can. So uh, if you've submitted a question and we haven't yet answered it, hopefully it will come in one of the future podcast episodes here that, that we're releasing. Right now, we're releasing a podcast almost every Friday. I think we have every Friday since we started. That's our plan. Um, and you also uh, can hear this on Word FM on Fridays on our normal radio station. It lives in uh, several other spheres as well. And uh, so today, um, we are going to uh, just talk through a few questions. And, and oh, before I say that, let me also just add, if you want to submit a question, you can send it to askapastor at orchardhillchurch.com. So Emily, welcome. Uh, so you. good to have you here today. Thank you. And uh, just uh, <laughs> love what you do with kids ministry. And this first question I chose for you, it came, came from somebody from the listeners, but I chose specifically for you because I think working with kids, you get a chance all the time to try to speak through uh, what it means to have salvation or heaven. So here's mm -hmm. the question. Can you share your beliefs on who gets to go to heaven? I've always struggled with the concept of good people who are non-believers not being able to go to heaven. If they don't go to heaven, what are your beliefs on what happens to these people? That sounds like a question that a kid would throw at you in kids' ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, so I thought you'd be a great person to address that. What, what, what do you yes. have to say? Yes. So, you know, it's the something that I always try and think through first with kids is, well, who sets, who sets the rules? Mm. Who makes the rules for what's good? So you could say, it feels really good when I take my brother's stuff. <laughs> Makes me feel good, <laughs> you know. Um, I get what I want. I'm satisfied. Um, but, you know, someone else might call that not good. So who, who sets the rules? You know, in our classrooms, we have teachers. In the world, we have parents. We have to respond to someone's leadership. And mm -hmm. so I think even just that innate sense, maybe more evolving into the adult thinking world mm -hmm. now, that innate sense of what even is good, mm -hmm. um, I would tell a child or a friend, you know, comes from a, a creator, I believe, mm -hmm. because otherwise we can all create our own definitions of what is good, mm -hmm. and that might be good for different people, if okay. that makes sense. Yep. So, so without a higher standard of what's good, we'll all have our own standard, Yeah. meaning it can all be different. So, so the creator gives the sense of what's good. Yes. Okay. And so, um, you know, to answer the question, uh, you know, biblically speaking, we know that really our righteousness is, is like filthy rags. When I was thinking through this question, I kept thinking of that verse and just thinking about how oh, what I bring to God as good is um, really not great in comparison to his glory, to his goodness. And so looking at the character of God as well and, and his standard. Um, and so what am I trying to get out here? I think that really, um, 
getting to heaven is is not based on our our works, but on um, what God has said is good and our our believing in in God's goodness. Um, you know, I might also ask this. Another question is well. Um, Sorry, guys, I'm stuttering a little bit in front of the camera here, but no, you're good. So, 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 what you're you're trying to, I think, say is God gives us the standard of what is good. Yes. We don't get to decide. Yes. And then what I'm hearing you say is you tell kids, especially that they're a bunch of sinners, <laughs> um, yes. and that whatever good they do, it's like filthy rags. Is that? Yes. So, 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 how do you help a child or an adult grapple with that? Because there'd be a lot of people who would say. Oh, come on. Um, one, we're not that bad. Mm-hmm. And two, isn't that counterproductive, especially to tell a kid that they're sinner, mm-hmm. that they're a sinner rather than tell them that they're good, that they're created in the image of God and that they're wonderful and they can do wonderful things. Um, yeah. h- how would you address that? Yeah, so we're kind of in the age where everyone gets a trophy, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that kids already have an inflated sense of self. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we really um, set them up for failure when we don't explain, you know, that they are born with sin. Mm-hmm. And how I might help them to grapple with that is, you know, even talking about a report card. Mm-hmm. You know, I've read this analogy before with kids. Um, so if God is asking you to not lie, to not want what your brother or sister wants, you know, some mm-hmm. of those heart attitudes, would you get an A? Would you get a B? Would you get a mm-hmm. C? And, and they, you know, if they're really being honest with themselves, I think they would say, you know, as we're digging deep into some of even the heart attitudes of sin, mm-hmm. um, oh man, no, I, I, I would get a B. I would get a C. Well, guess what? God's standard is is a plus and so before the holy god we are all you know really we're really struggling to to mm-hmm. hit that mark of of what god really desires mm-hmm. for us and so um you know i might use that report card analogy yeah yeah well, one of the things i have said when i've been asked this kind of a question is that a lot of times we don't uh, even keep our own standard mm. Uh, in other words, I have a standard apart from the creator. Mm-hmm. But if I'm honest with myself, I don't even live up to that. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, I want to acknowledge the creator's standard, but a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. And, and so the concept of sin seems foreign or negative mm-hmm. uh, to them. And so, uh, so, 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 so just to push then, so then how does somebody move from, okay, I might not live up to God's standard, my own standard, to now I uh, can be confident of heaven? Hmm. Well, I, I think that we have to help someone encounter the, the cross and, mm-hmm. and the word of God. Um, and so, you know, can, can you repeat the question? <laughs> yeah, it, well, the, the question, and I think the question somebody asked was really, how do we know who gets to go to heaven? Oh. And so, so, so we've kind of, at least to now, identified God has a standard and people are sinful. So, so, so what's the transition point? Is that enough or is there something else? And then what you started to say is there's the cross. Yes, yes. So I think that we have to get folks um, <laughs> beholding the cross, seeing what the cross actually means. Yeah. Um, because that is where our salvation lies. And so, um, you know, if, if someone is asking me, well, yeah, I mess up all the time, how do I move past mm-hmm. that? Um, 
you know, the relationship with Christ and that, um, you know, a literally open hands to receive what he has said, mm-hmm. um, that my, my sacrifice is enough. Mm-hmm. So what I did on the cross, my death, my resurrection, I mean, the, the extreme suffering, bearing the weight and the, the burden of what we feel yeah. all of the time in our sin, um, and that wrestling and that struggling and Christ willingly took that on, mm-hmm. um, really gets us to a place of beholding Jesus and saying, wow, what he did there was sufficient. And in turn, he says, now what I, what I, um, when you believe and you trust in that, now what I have is yours, Emily, now and, and into mm-hmm. eternity. Yeah. If that answers the yeah. question. Yeah, no, that's good. You, you know, as, uh, as this question's written, you know, I've always struggled with the concept of good people, non-believers not being able to go to heaven. And, and the reason that's such a challenge is because if we understand the, the teaching that the Bible has around sin, salvation, the doctrine of the nature of God um, should teach us that there should be wonderful people, the image of God, put into everybody, um, meaning there will be people who are better than Christian people um, in terms of their morality, their generosity, their contribution to humanity, who, if they haven't believed, um, will still be under the curse of sin. And because of our doctrine of sin, there will be people who believe who still uh, act in ways that aren't as generous, aren't as beneficial to humanity, have all of those challenges. And, and that's what makes this question hard. But if we focus on, on the people rather than the standard, and I think that's where you were going with the idea of I have to take them away from kind of the concept of, of my goodness to God's goodness, mm-hmm. then we realize we, we come short. And, and the other part of this question is, um, if they don't go to heaven, what happens to these people or what happens, you know, to, to people who, who miss? And, and the, the teaching that we hold to here at Orchard Hill is that, is that there are eternal destinies. Hebrews 9, 27 says it's appointed to a person who wants to die and after this comes judgment. And Romans 1 really um, addresses this idea of goodness and people not knowing. Uh, verse 18 and following says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godless and wickedness of people who suppress the truth and wickedness. You may say godless wickedness, that sounds so bad. The words here just simply mean people who don't acknowledge God. It says, since what may be known about God is plain to them, for God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what's been made so that people are without excuse. And, and so what that's, that's driving at when it says they're without excuses, it's saying God's revealed himself to people in general so that they can respond to him. And that doesn't mean that there's not a need to proclaim the cross or anything like that, but it means that God has, has accounted for this in a way that we may or may not fully understand. And he is is not giving people an excuse to say, well, I'm good, but I didn't know about Jesus or the cross. He's saying, respond to what you, you know, and that will, will, mm-hmm. will move us forward. Another, go ahead. Can I interject mm-hmm. another Absolutely. thought? You know, the question I can really appreciate as someone who's, uh, sometimes I think this question comes out of a place for maybe our loved one, for our loved ones, mm-hmm. um, in compassion and tenderness and love for wanting to know that good things are coming for our loved ones. I can totally appreciate that. Um, having grappled with that myself. At the same time, you know, the question can also be leading us down the road of what do I get 
Um, So God has given us, you know, we believe in the Christian faith. God has given us this innate sense of goodness. So even those from what you just read in scripture who um, don't confess Jesus as Lord or Savior still have that innate sense because we know that God has made them. Yes. So they want to maybe uh, enjoy that goodness that they have. Um, and also get the reward without actually connecting with the creator or accepting right. the creator. So I think yeah. there can be, you know, some danger in the question yeah, absolutely. too, um, absolutely. if that makes sense. That's well put. So That's well put. Here's a question, uh, and I'm going to read this in its entirety because it's a lengthy question. It says, hello, I'm a 37-year-old woman. I became a born-again Christian about two months ago on June 30th, so it's a little longer ago now. Uh, this is when the question was submitted. I have repented and accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I have a question on whether something in my life is sin or not. I truly want to live my life for God, and I know I will never be perfect and make mistakes from time to time. However, I don't want to openly and knowingly live in sin. So I really need your honest opinion so I can live worthily before God's eyes. Anyways, I'm divorced and I've been, have been legally for several years. However, my ex and I have recently reconciled. We are not remarried yet, though. We have a past and we obviously want to be intimate with each other. But my question is, are we committing sin, the sin of fornication? Neither of us has ever uh, remarried anybody else. Please help and thank you in advance. So Emily, tell us, uh, t- t- tell us how you would respond to that, that question. First of all, I love, I love the heart behind the question because it is saying, I want to do what is good and right mm. before the Lord, you know, mm. and I love just the, <clears throat> the humility and asking, um, and just beautiful that this listener has just be- become part of God's family. So, um, you know, I've been married for three years, and as a single woman, I had to grapple with some of these issues mm-hmm. myself. Um, and I remember saying to a friend, I remember saying, why is it worth it to wait to be intimate mm-hmm. with someone? Is it worth it? You know, you mm-hmm. get to the point of if you're dating somebody or you're single and you have, you know, these God-given desires as a sexual person, as a sexual being. Um, and I remember saying, "Is it? why is it worth it? And and is the, um, why does God say that we should wait for mm-hmm. marriage? Why is that good? You know, grappling mm-hmm. with that question. And I remember the friend saying to me, you know, Emily, when we have sex outside of the marriage covenant, it's like making the covenant without actually making the mm. covenant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you're, you're kind of playing house in a sense um, without saying, I'm going to commit to you. Mm-hmm. No, I realize this is a different scenario. But I think it's important to establish why God says it's good to mm-hmm. wait. That covenant is is binding. Mm-hmm. It is um, something very intimate. We don't do, um, we don't display sexual, at least not all of us, <laughs> display <laughs> sexual acts in public. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is something innately special mm-hmm. and uh, set apart and sacred mm-hmm. about that. Um, so I think establishing that understanding of covenant first is really important. And so maybe my question would be to this woman, where are you in your relationship? Is, are you guys just kind of testing the waters or are mm. you ready to proceed um, in marriage? That would be maybe my first question before, can we have sex or not? Mm-hmm. 
um, can you say that you are ready to step back into covenant with this person and make a commitment? Mm-hmm. Um, and can, I know sometimes it feels like it can't, but can sex be, can it, I mean, I think it can wait as you mm-hmm. kind of discover maybe what God is doing in this relationship, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, mm-hmm. rather than just what can we do, what can't we do? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you understand where your relationship is headed with this person? Because if it's, if right. it's to marriage, sex will come, right. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, I, I like how you phrase that. Just uh, in some ways, we like to ask the do or don't, can mm-hmm. I, can't I question. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad question. And mm-hmm. in this case, I agree. I really love the fact that, that you're asking the question, that you're saying, I want to honor God. I don't want to step outside of that. Um, what we know is that God has said the best sex will be when it's in a committed covenant lifelong relationship. Mm-hmm. That's his word. That's his standard. That's mm-hmm. his ideal. Um, what's interesting in this scenario, obviously, is you were in that relationship yeah. and then you divorced and now you're coming back toward that relationship. But I think I would, I, I would agree with what you said, Emily, and that is I would say if you're headed there, then go ahead and go there. Um, and, and what I mean by that is get remarried. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and you might say, well, there's all these other issues and stuff and, and that, but, but I think you will feel like, like you've honored marriage, you've honored each other, you've honored God most if that's your approach. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly I've been married for a few years, so I understand the pull to intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also think there are other ways to be intimate. So sometimes we, and, and what I mean by that is not every intimacy needs to be physical in order to be deep mm. and, uh, or needs to be in the sex act in order to be deep. Mm-hmm. And, and so there are ways you can explore intimacy, enjoy intimacy while still saying, but we're saving this piece of intimacy mm-hmm. for a time when we have publicly recommitted our lives to one another. Mm-hmm. I have heard people uh, say this and they'll say, well, we're going to be married in the eyes of God, just not in the eyes of the law. Hmm. Um, and this certainly isn't what you're asking in this question, but what, what, what's your response to that line of reasoning when people say, hey, we're, we're together, we're, we're doing this in the eyes of God, but not necessarily in the eyes of the law? Ooh. Hmm. Oh, goodness. I think that it's a piece of paper, right? I mean, we it's a state. Uh, and when we're talking the eyes mm-hmm. of the law, right, mm-hmm. we're not, do you meaning we're not doing the official marriage ceremony? We're just going to kind of. Well, right. So, so I've had couples come to me law, at different times seven and years, say, whatever. say, you know what, we, we're committing ourselves to God and yeah. each other. So, so we're together and we'll get married later in the eyes of the law. Mm. But before God, we're already married. Mm. Is, I'm asking if you see that as a legitimate approach to, to uh, somebody's uh, relationship. You know, I, I think my gut instinct is to say, well, marriage is a communal act. So if there's... I, there's, it's not just, oh, we need to have the pastor, we need to have the beautiful church, we need to have the ceremony. But I, I do believe there's something really sacred that happens when you have a set-apart time to um, be in front of your church community. You have folks saying, this is good. You have a 
pastor saying this mm-hmm. is good and blessing this rather than just kind of doing your own thing. Mm-hmm. I think that there's something about the community right. that God designed to uphold the marriage. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- you could run away and live on an island somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of. Do, yeah, there, there's something to, to the fact that it's public. And I think yeah. that's what you're saying is that it's uh, if you keep it private yeah. and nobody else knows except the two of you, mm-hmm. then there's something that 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 is still hidden and yeah. what marriage is designed to be is public more than the piece of paper the state gives mm-hmm. or even a pastor or a church gives to say this is legit legal yes it's the fact that you are publicly committing your lives to one another and mm-hmm. saying whatever comes we're together we're in this mm. and i think whenever that's short-circuited mm-hmm. um then there's something about the the um sexuality that's enjoyed mm. that is short-circuited and and I think that's why I would would push against kind of that that type of an approach now mm-hmm. now back mm-hmm. to the exact question that uh, that's been asked you know is it okay here's here's something I say frequently when people ask me tricky questions uh, and not that this is a tricky question in, in one sense and that is, I often say, it's not my job to, to, to kind of say yes or no to something. It's my job to say, here's what the scripture teaches, and now you need to discern how that applies to your situation. And so what, what I think I would say to this question is, scripture teaches that marriage is essential for God-honoring sexual intimacy. Uh, without that, um, we know that that's outside of God's bounds. The question for, for this particular question is, is, are we really still married in the eyes of God? And, and is that legitimate given that we did have a public ceremony moving forward? I can't totally answer that for you. Hmm. Um, what I would say is that, is, that, is that if you're really moving toward marriage and you were married, um, there's probably some room there for differences of opinion among people who would look at the scriptures and try to understand that. And so maybe this isn't helpful, but, but I would say you need to be settled. But, but here's what I would say. If you don't think or aren't convinced that something is legitimate or is honoring to God, chances are it's not if you have to talk yourself into it. So, so, so in other words, if you're kind of saying, I, I, this doesn't feel right, this doesn't feel right, and then you get a bunch of people saying, ah, the, the, you can do that, you can do that. Chances are you're talking yourself into that, mm. and that's probably not the way that, that I would want to enter into something as in significant as, as sexual intimacy. Uh, I'd rather enter into that saying, I'm convinced before God that this is beautiful and to be celebrated and to be, to, to, to be the best thing. But if you are there, if you can get there and say, that's where I'm at, then, then you know, maybe that's a, a, a great step. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Any other thoughts on that? No, just, just encouragement, you know, to um, not put the cart before the horse. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's encouragement to think about, well, why are we, why are we hesitating in this mm-hmm. commitment? Um, and we just want to know what we can and can't do while we wait. Yeah. Um, encouraging, you know, which I understand living in that mm-hmm. place and that struggle. I do. Yeah. Um, but really being honest with yourself about is this relationship good in itself? Right. And where are we headed? Right. Um, I, I think would be really wise. So good.
Good, we need to leave it here. Thank you again for uh, spending a few minutes with us on Ask a Pastor. If you have questions, uh, whether you're part of the Orchard Hill community or you haven't been part of the Orchard Hill community, we'd love to interact with your questions. You can send them to askapastor at orchardhillchurch.com and we will try to address those in the days ahead. Have a great week. 